Welcome those of you joining us online today. We're glad that you tuned in. Wish you were here, but from all over the world, we send our love and greetings to you. And I, I want to announce this at the beginning of the service today, that at the end of the service, the Lord has instructed me to lay hands on those that are overcoming arthritis. The Bible says that He bore our griefs and sorrows, and translated correctly, that means our pain and our sickness. So I don't care how old you are, it's not a fact of life. According to the Word of God, the truth says that you don't have to walk and live in pain. So I'm letting you know that up front. So if, you're, if that's you today, you may receive uh, your healing as the Word goes forth, but at the end, uh, we're going to lay hands on you. And then if, you're, if you weren't able to be with us today, I have prayer cloths in my, in my uh, coat pocket and, and pants. So if that's you and you're in, your, you're in the United States of America, we can mail one of these to you. If you're overseas, use your faith. Amen. <laughs> yeah. These prayer costs are a point of contact. So I want to thank Pastor Justin for giving me the opportunity today to minister the Word of God. Are you ready? Yeah. We're going to begin today in Psalm chapter 27. Psalms chapter 27. We're going to talk today about the goodness of God. In Psalm chapter 27, verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. How many living folks we got here today? Praise God, about three quarters of you, that's good. The rest of you are raised from the dead. (laughs) Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. David says here, I would have lost heart. Another translation says, I would have fainted. It means, you know, basically, I would have given up. I would have become discouraged. I, I, I would have gotten into anxiety and fear unless I had believed. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. There's a lot of things coming our way that, that this earth is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's you and me to take our rightful place in this earth, to take our dominion that is God-given and begin to operate in who we are, who God's created us to be, and the authority that He's given us on this earth. Can you say amen? But if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. In other words, you're only operating in your natural strength. We were created and born for this day. That means that God has put things on the inside of us and has graced us to live in the times that we're living in today. That means you have what it takes to deal with the mess. And not only deal with the mess, but to overcome it and to speak life to it. Can I get a better amen out of that today? So he said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. It's when we get 
into faith. And when we have, it says, have faith in God. God's given to each one of us the measure of faith. And it's up to us to hold on to it, to, to grasp it. It gives a picture of uh, the, the cowboy it's what I think about the cowboy that's riding out on the bull and, and he's got his, his hand grasped on the rope and he's hanging on. Hang on to that faith. Hold on to the promises of God because his promises are true. His word is true. He is. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And so anything other than the truth is a lie. That's why you don't have to live with pain. That's why you don't have to live with sickness. Amen. The Good News Translation says it like this. I know that I will live to see the Lord's goodness in this present life. When we get to heaven, what a glorious day it will be. But we need to see his goodness now. And so he says, I know that I will live to see the Lord's goodness. He says, trust in the Lord. Have faith. Then he says... Do not despair. Trust in the Lord. I looked up this word despair. And this word despair means a loss of hope. Or expectation. Leading to hopelessness. And the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. That faith is the substance of things hoped for. A couple years ago I had a vision of this man that had his shoulders slumped and his head bowed like this and walking like this. And I said, what, Lord, what is this? He says, that's my church right now. And they're slumped and they, they don't know who they are. And they need to lift up their eyes for their redemption draws near. And he told me that our God's people need to be more heaven minded. We got to be ready. He's prepared a place for you and me. And we got to be ready. So it's a loss of hope. Despair is a loss of hope or expectation leading to hopelessness. If you've ever lost a loved one, you have some of these feelings that, that can come up on the inside of you. And in 2004, October the 11th, 2004, my mother passed away unexpectedly. It was a tragic, unexpected thing. She had been battling uh, colon cancer and, and just a bunch of bad things that happened that were just on top of each other. And then, boom, she was gone, just like that. My dad watched her uh, die on the table as they were trying to resuscitate her. And he had called me, said, pray for your mom. Well, I, you know, I was thinking, well, Lord, be, be there with her right now. You know, I didn't know how serious any of this was. Be with her right now. Lord, loose angels, minister peace to her and healing to her. And then the next call I got is she died. Well, there's this shock. There's this thing, you know, that you, that you experience, these thoughts that you go through. You're, you're a little bit in shock. I, I, what, how do I, what emotions do I have? What am I, you know, what am I supposed to be feeling based on what everybody else does, you know? And so there's all these things that you go through in the, in the emotional realm 
Well, I drove over to Mississippi, which is where they lived, and that's where Mom grew up in Starkville, Mississippi, home of Mississippi State Bulldogs, go dogs. And, uh, in fact, Papa, Papa lived just right there, right across from uh, the Bulldog Stadium, right across from the football stadium. So, you know, on Saturday night when they had a home game and we'd be at Papa's house, you know, you could hear the roar of the crowd. And Mississippi State fans are known for the cowbell, cowbells, you know. They, 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 they take those to games. Anyway. None of you are familiar with Mississippi State. That's okay. It's a state about, uh, it's Louisiana and then Mississippi. It's that state over there. They have the Mississippi River. Uh, you can go on a tour of antebellum homes if you're into that. But uh, anyway, so they asked me to do the eulogy at, the, at her homegoing service. And I'm telling you, this place was packed. They had it at the Starkville Church of God, which is where, you know, she grew up. And Papa was a Church of God preacher back in the day. And, and uh, this place was packed. And I didn't know if I could get through this. But what I wanted to do was, I'm telling you, there was five or 600 people in this place. And what I wanted to do was, because I didn't know a lot of these people, was that by the time that they left, I wanted them to know who my mom was based on what I said in this eulogy. So I told about her when she's born, all this stuff. And then I told about her favorite joke. And which was that, you know, there's, there's this town in, in Mississippi. Nobody knows how to pronounce it. Uh, Kosciuszko, Kazuki, Kaskukul. I don't, nobody knows how to pronounce it unless you're from there. And so this man was driving through and stopped in that town. And he said, we've been arguing in the car. How do you pronounce the name of this place? And listen, I want you to say it real slow of how you pronounce the name of this place. And the man looked at him, paused and said, Dairy Queen. <laughs> It obviously stopped in the dairy queen. <laughs> Real slow. But then I said, we do not mourn as a Christian. We do not mourn as though we do not have hope. And so I begin to tell them, hey, I'm going to see her again. I have hope. I have this expectation that I will see her again. I know that I know that I know that I'm going to see her again one day. When that sky splits, the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will rise. Those who are alive and remain will be caught up with him in the air. I will see her again. I will embrace her. I begin to say, I've got a hope. And you know, Life came in this place where there was a lot of emotion and grief and sorrow. And then I went over and sat down. I was hobbling around because I had just torn my ACL ligament. So I'm hobbling around. I go take my seat, you know, and I felt like I did what God called me to do at that 
for that place. Well, then the pastor gets up behind me. Yes, amen. As Brother Eric says, we need to have hope, but also there are those of us that need to mourn. And he undid everything that I just got done. And I'll tell you what, good thoughts were not going through my head at that point. And at first, at first, you, you know, you react right. You, but then afterwards, you start replaying this in your head. And I, they had an audio tape, and I went back and listened to it. And then listen to what he said, and I, and I just kept getting madder and madder. And I saw myself going up to him and just kicking him right in the shin. That's what I really wanted to do. You know. Of course, I didn't do that. You know, we renew our minds. Don't act like you never thought stuff like that. But he got right up and, and tried to undo everything. I said, Lord, what does the word say? Yeah, does, do you think that a son doesn't mourn his mom? Of course. I was trying not to cry going through the whole thing. But the word of God is clear and it says we don't mourn as those or sorrow as those that don't have hope. We got a hope. Why would I shy away from the fact that I have hope? I have an expectation. And here David is saying, I would have lost heart or I would have lost hope or I'd have fainted. I'd have given up. I might have quit unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Word of God says we need to encourage each other with this. Scripture. Verse, we just read verse 13, 16. For the Lord Himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise, then those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. Verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. This is hope for us. This is hope. <laughs> and it's not the, 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 the thing where we're in such desperate shape that we say, Oh, Jesus, you've got to come quickly, Lord Jesus. Save us from all this. Save us, Jesus. No, that's not how the Bible describes how we're going to meet him in the air. It says that we, he is coming for a glorious church or a church that's full of glory. That doesn't sound like a church that is defeated, broke, depressed, oppressed, sad, without hope, fainted. It doesn't sound like a church that has quit, that has let the circumstances of life 
affect who they are in him. It sounds to me like a victorious church that are going out without spot, without wrinkle. That's what it sounds like to me. So we comfort one another with these words, but in great expectation, looking for. And if I'm doing that, and if I'm in faith, my God, who is a good God. <laughs> we, went, we went to Africa with the church. In fact, uh, pastor took a team over there and we met them over there from Michigan in December of 2018. And we went to this one uh, school where they gathered these, these leaders and there was a camp for them. And there was probably five, six hundred kids in there. And, well, we've heard this, you know, God is good. And then the congregation says all the time. And then the, the, the preacher says all the time. And the congregation says, and then they added this part. That's his nature. Wow. I thought, wow, I like that. So we added it when we came back. God is good. And all the time. That's his nature. Wow. See, it's part of his, it's part of his nature to be good. It's part of his nature to show mercy. And oftentimes you'll find in the Bible, when you see his goodness, you'll also see his mercy. He's merciful to those who he'll have mercy. And he's good to those who he's good. And so we understand this about God because he's love. It's who he is. And so I can have faith in God that that's part of who he is. And so therefore, I, I believe that I see his goodness every day when I go out. I think it was Oral Roberts that used to say, good things are going to happen to you today. Good things. And I heard that a long, long time ago, probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. And while I was in Fort Wayne Airport about to fly to Charlotte and my flight got delayed. Well, I had business to do in Charlotte and it was uh, so much so that I wasn't even going to get there to have time to conduct business that day. But I had the next day still, but I was going down so we could do business, you know. And I was just starting to complain. I just, oh, you know, these airlines, oh, I'm just starting to complain. These airlines, you know, they just, they don't care. See, they don't care that I'm going to lose money today. They don't care. They don't care about me. They, don't, You know, and, and well, the Lord got a hold of me after about five, ten minutes of this. See, now we're, we're working on responding correctly and not having to correct the bad response. So the Lord got a hold of me. He said, is that what you want? You want to lose money? You want to go down there and lose money? You, do you want to? Is this all that you're saying? No, sir. Don't you remember that sermon you heard? Good things are going to happen to you. Why don't you begin to declare that? Now, I'm, I'm uh, you know, just starting in the word of faith at this point. And so I just start saying good things are going to happen to me today. And the first guy, first person I go see is the, is the lady at the ticket counter. I say, good things are going to happen to me today. Well, I was probably the only one that went up with a good attitude. I don't know, because everybody else is upset, too. You know, I was just doing what everybody else was doing, according to the environment that I was in. I was just saying whatever, whatever everybody else was saying. I mean, they were all saying it too, so 
So I get up to the counter and the lady, I said, good things are going to happen to me today. And she goes, well, how about some chocolates to start? She put, put some chocolates there. Oh yeah, it's already started. Well, the airline next to her, like took exception to how bright and cheery I was being now. Now they didn't hear me complain before this other, these other people, but I don't know what it was, but they didn't like that I was, you know, proclaiming this. So she does my ticket, you know. Well, she goes, well, how about another good thing that's going to happen to you today? I said, what's that? She goes, I just upgraded you to first class. (laughs) Well, this got me excited, you know, because I'm I'm young in the faith, you know, in the, in the word of faith. And I've learned about confession. I've learned about declaration and, and speaking the word of God. And, and now I said, good things are going to happen to me today. And I got chocolate. Who doesn't want chocolate? And upgraded to first class. So I got my ticket and I walked off and I went, good things are going to happen to me today. Woo! Just like that. Well, this other airline, now she's real upset. I don't know why. And she goes, yeah, like an arrest. I guess she didn't like the fact that I, you know, was declaring God's goodness right in the Fort Wayne, Indiana airport. And so isn't that what the devil's going to try to do when, when you make a declaration, God gives you something good and he wants to come and, and just throw water on it. So I said under my breath, oh, no, not today, uh, devil woman. (laughs) You ain't stealing my joy. (laughs) See, we got to, you know, we got to, we're new at this. We're new at this. Oh, bless her Lord. So I get on the plane, fly to Charlotte, North Carolina. And so I didn't have time to do business that day, but I, I said, well, I'll go to church tonight. Well, I would go to church and, and typically, you know, I, I didn't, all I had was a t-shirt. And so I said, well, I'll go to the department store and look for, you know, see what they got, go to church. Well, I found this suit in my size, which my size is a, a pretty popular size. And, and sometimes they don't, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they don't have them in my size. And so there it was right there, this nice sport coat, Italian. (laughs) Big money. It's like a $500 sport coat, you know. And I looked and it was like uh, 80% off, 50% off, 30% off, whatever that was. They should have been paying me to take it. (laughs) So many markdowns. And I've, I've walked out with this $500 sport coat for $56. Good things are going to happen to me today. Well, then the next, the next day I get up and there was more business done in one day than what two days combined would have been. Good things happen to me. See, I can expect to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But the goodness of God, even though God is good, even though he has good things for his people, it's not automatic. You got to believe that you'll see. And so it's important what we see. It's important what we're looking at. The thief comes only 
to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said to Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen the brother. Another translation says, the message, it says, Simon, stay on your toes. Satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me like chaff from wheat. Stay on your toes. That means remain alert and ready for action. And so all these things that have come on the earth, even in the last year, the things that we've seen, the things that we feel like we're having to experience. Imagine what the Israelites felt like in Egypt when Moses was going in, which, by the way, came on Saturday night before Easter. You know, Moses had just been in the glory of God. And somehow Moses came out of that and his hair had changed. It was like longer and hit the glory of God shone about him. And he came in, let my people go. But these plagues and, and things that came in, the, the first, the second, the third. But the fourth plague, the Lord says, I'm going to separate the Egyptians from the Israelites and my people will not experience any of these. And it said at the set time, he would do that. There's coming a set time on the earth where God will separate what the worldly people and the Christian people experience. But we have to be in faith. And when Jesus said this, I have prayed for you. He said, I have prayed for you that you wouldn't give up, that your faith would not fail, that you wouldn't give out, that you wouldn't faint in the day of adversity. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's our advocate. He's our mediator. He lives on the inside of us. So he tells him, he says, stay on your toes. Be ready for action. In sports, I played baseball growing up. I, I, I love baseball. I always had a glove. We, we would, back in that day, we would go outside and play. <laughs> and we'd play wiffle ball, and then we'd, we would, did you ever tape up the wiffle ball bat? And then you played with a tennis ball. And you, you could play with three guys or even two guys or girls. And... Do, do a ghost runner. We call it a ghost runner. You could hit and a ghost runner on fire. Anyway, we may, I would throw the ball off the roof and watch for it to come down. And, I mean, I love baseball. Well, I went to LSU baseball camp growing up in Louisiana. And LSU Tigers had a great baseball program at the time. In fact, they had just won the national championship or won it the, the year after. And Well, one of the things they teach you, and I played shortstop growing up, is that you got to be on your toes, you know, on the, on the balls of your feet, on your toes, and not on your heels. Because if you're back on your heels, then you see a lot of, especially the right fielders, for some reason, the curse of the, being on your heels was always with the right fielders, and they'd hold their glove like this. In fact, when I coached my son in baseball, we had a little boy that was on the team, and, you know, 
Every dad uh, thinks that their 10-year-old son's going to play professional sports. And he's out there. He is, he is, he's not only in Indian style seated in center field, but he but he's actually has his back to the batter looking in the outfield, picking flowers. And so my brother-in-law, who's not here today, David, he, he yells at him, Quinton, Quinton, get up. Quinton, get up and get ready. Quinton. And he's, of course, his dad's right there. He's like, hey, don't, don't be yelling at my kid. You know, he's going to play professional sports. Your kid ain't going nowhere, buddy. He's a, you, you better let him pick up some other thing. But Quinton's staring at the birds. But they taught us, they taught us, you got to be on your toes and ready for action. You, you got you to gotta believe with your hands out in front of you like this. You got to believe that that ball is going to be hit your way. And be ready for action. Be ready to go either way. On your toes. Always ready. Well, that's the way. If we, if we flip this, that's the way we got to be about expecting God's goodness in our life. Lord, I'm expecting your goodness today. Whichever way you want me to go, Lord, I'm, I'm expecting it. Whatever way you want me to go. Because you got to believe that you're going to see it. We can live. It's, it says in the land of the living. But Satan has tried to use this COVID to cause people to be separated from our Lord and Savior. It's it's real easy to stay home. I'm thankful for technology. But the scripture says, forsake not the assembling. It means the gathering together in one place of one mind, of one accord in unity. I'm thankful that we get to watch online. I'm thankful we can, we can use our faith over the airways. But I'm just telling you right now that if we get lazy in that, it will produce lazy faith. But I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, there are churches that are just now getting back. So if you don't think this thing had an underlying purpose, you need to... Wake up. He says, awaken the mighty man. But it's, it's been to try to cause to separate people from God. To get people into fear. To cause them to draw back. But Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 39 Verse 38, the just shall live by faith. I'm reading out of the Amplified. My righteous servant shall live by his conviction, respecting man's relationship to God and divine things and holy fervor born of faith and conjoined with it. And if he draws back and shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight or pleasure in him. But our way is not that of those who draw back. That's not us. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're not a quitter. Jesus said, in this world, you have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Basically, he's saying, you're going to face adversity. You're going you're to face trials and tribulations. But be of good cheer. 
in the midst of trials, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of plagues and diseases and things on the earth. I'm not one that's going to draw back, but I can still expect to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Psalm verse 42. Go with me. Psalm verse 42. 42. It's after 41. (laughs) I love it. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. We got to get back to a place... Listen, all these distractions were meant to cause us to draw back. A place where God is the sole desire of our heart. And this is what he's saying. My soul longs for you. My soul, verse 2, thirsts for God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? Well, if God is so good, why are all these people dying? Well, if God is so good, why are people going hungry? Well, if God is so good, nah, 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 nah. But it said... That they would say that. The Bible warns us that they would say that. And what's that statement meant to do? That statement is meant to to plant seeds of doubt in your heart. And it's straight from Satan. In fact, uh, if you hold your finger there and go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 4. Verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. We're in the last days. In case you didn't know. Walking according to their own lusts. And saying, where is the promise of His coming? Well, where is this God? Where's the promise of His coming? All you Christians have been saying that for years. In fact, somebody just wrote a new book on it. All you Christians have been saying God's going to come back from years. I mean, is there really going to be a second coming or, or you know, a rapture? Yes. Any questions on that? See, Pastor. I'm just a guest speaker, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he can deal with all the questions. <laughs> so skip down to uh I'm gonna read this out of the amplified. Where are we at? Second Peter. Skip down to verse nine. Second Peter three. 
Is that what I want? Verse 9. The Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what He promises. According to some people's conception of slowness, According to some people's conception of slowness, but he is long suffering towards you, towards me, extraordinarily patient. Thank God for that. Not desiring that any should perish, but that all should turn to repentance. See, the nastiest, ugliest, uh, chain smoking cusser that you know. You get the devil off of him and get Jesus in him will change. And God knows this. He doesn't want to send people to an eternal hell. But all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will vanish, pass away with a thunder's crash. And the material elements of the universe will be dissolved with fire. And the earth and the works are upon it. It will be burned up. Verse 12, while you wait and earnestly long for, expect and hasten the coming of the day of the Lord. By reason of which the flaming heavens will, oh wait, did I already read that? By which the flaming heavens will be dissolved and the material elements of the universe will flare and melt with fire. But we look for new heaven and a new earth according to his promise in which the righteousness the, the uprightness, freedom from sin and right standing with God is to abide. So, beloved, since you are expecting these things, be eager to be found by him at his coming without spot or blemish and at peace in serene confidence. Peaceful confidence. Not in fear, not shrinking back, but forging ahead as the army of the living God. Free from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. Wow. It sounds to me like it's a people that have put their total trust and dependence in God. You know why people will, uh, after we're gone, you know why people will take the mark of the beast? You've heard of this? so that you can buy and sell because of money. Because they have put their trust in money. And Jesus said, you can't trust money and God. God's the creator of it all. Hey, you can't, you got to believe God or you got to believe science. They're using science to cause people to doubt God. Now I'm not, I'm not against science. So I'm not saying don't pay any attention to what science says, but I'm saying if your trust is in science and not in God, you have a problem. Back to Psalm 42. You still got your finger there? So he says, David says in verse four, or the author of this, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. So he's remembering this. With a voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. There's people that used to come to church. 
So David's remembering, hey, when I used to go to church, I had joy. I praised. I came into the house of God. I was comforted with the word of God. It gave, it gave me faith because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him. For he is the help of my countenance. The message translation, verse 4, says this. These are things I go over and over, emptying out the pockets of my life. I was always at the head of the worshiping crowd. See, we got to take that up another notch, people. Saints, body of Christ, sons and daughters of God. How do you think heaven's going to be? You sitting there? I don't like what that Deborah wore today. Sometimes she wears those maroon shoes and they glisten. And she, I don't know, she thinks she's Dorothy going to tap her shoes three times. I'm going to go over here. <laughs> I was always at the head of the worshiping crowd, right out in front, leading them all. Eager to arrive and worship, shouting praises, singing thanksgiving. See, worship doesn't start when you get in here. Worship starts at home. You should have a, a, a prayer life that has worship, a prayer life that has praise. We were at the Hilton South Lake uh, a couple weeks ago, and something happened. I don't even remember what it was. What was it? What? Yeah. I went to get a car wash, a truck wash in my case, and we're sitting there. The truck, it looks nice. It's washed. Boy, it looks nice. We all get in. I'm, I'm about to press the button to start, and then, bam, somebody hits me from behind. At the car wash. And it was another truck that hit me at the car wash by a worker who was just pulling the truck up so they could dry it off. And so now, you know, so we get back to the hotel and, you know, sometimes it's this happens and this happens and this happens. And you go, wait a second. Something right here. And so we're, it's, it's about 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We're at the hotel. We're going to lay down for a little rest. And, and all of a sudden, I'm like thinking about all this. And I look over. And Nikki had just gotten out of bed, and she's doing this. That's the Holy Ghost dance. Woo! Woo! She starts praising. So I go, and I get out of bed, and I start going, woo! Ha, 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 devil, you thought you had us. You thought you were going to get us down. But all you did was just, you know, mess up my bumper. It can be fixed. Ha, ha. We just got up and danced. Well, you're not doing this stuff at home and you're coming to church. Listen, is God real to you or not? <laughs> Well, he's the lifter of my countenance. You, you can't start praising 
and be sad sacked and sad faced and depressed. And so what David was saying, hey, soul, hey, talking to myself. Hey, soul, why are you quiet? Praise God. Remember the things that he's done. Remember his goodness. Remember his mercy. Remember how he got you out of financial pressure. Remember what he's done. That's what the Israelites did when they went to, you know, oh, Lord, we remember when you got water from a rock, when the cloud by day, the fire by night, you split the seas. And the the reason why they got in trouble is because they forgot what he had done in their life. But if you would just recall the goodness of God in your life, you'll find out that he's been good to you. You've been focused on the wrong things, but God's been good all along. And he's been waiting on you to come back to him to say, hey, Lord, I praise you. He's waiting on you. Oh, I'm, I'm thankful that somebody likes to like to preaching today. <laughs> he said, "I would have, I would have fainted. I'd, I would have lost heart. I would have given up had I not believed that I would see. Listen, we're going to see." The goodness of God. We're going to see it. There's going to be this separation of the Egyptians and God's people. Isaiah, I'm not a prophet, but Isaiah was a prophet. And he says that darkness will cover the earth. Gross darkness. Gross darkness. When that darkness hit Egypt, they couldn't see in front of their face. But in Goshen, natural light shine. Look up at verse 1, and I'll end here. Would you come up? The Lord is my light. This is where he starts. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I'll add this. What shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing I have desired. One thing. That's what I seek. And it's him that I will dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life. For in the time of trouble, he's going to hide me in the pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. See, he's going to put this shield around you as favor with as with a shield, that, that noise on pestilence and those things that try to come against us. Like in Psalm 91, he'll protect us from. But we got to have faith. We got to believe, believe the promises of God. Do you believe this morning? Where you stand? This help you today.